Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today's Thursday, November 23rd, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time big book meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're um, on page XV forward to the second edition there at the bottom of the page um we're starting with the spark that was to flare into the first aa group reading through one paragraph ending with of belief in and dependence upon god and we'll be reading and commenting on just that one paragraph so today's readers are um maria h will be reading the text sherry d will be reading page 164 and judith sp is going to be hanging out uh, being our backup reader Newcomer greeter is Reva P, and our second hour hostess with the mostest is Janice P.M. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 20,864. That's 20864. And the reference number for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 20,865-20865. So our OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer, end quote. At a vision for you big book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now have Misty C. read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, Misty. Good morning, Misty C., compulsive overeater recovering. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12 haven't had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs thank you thank you so much missy next up we have joni y reading the 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous hey joni good morning this is joni y recovering uh, recovery group compulsive overeater from connecticut here are the 12 traditions One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you, Joni. So here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book means to us or has meant to us. So to share, you'll press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. To have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today, we're resuming our study of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, We're in the forward to the second edition down at the bottom of the page, page XV. We're in the third paragraph. It starts with the spark that was to flare into the first AA group and reading through one paragraph ending with of belief in and dependence upon God. And uh, comments will be on that one paragraph. And Maria H., you're going to get us started. Good morning, Maria. Thanks so much, Kelly. Good morning. Uh, I am Maria H. from Georgia, recovered one day at a time. 
the sparks that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Uh, six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience followed excuse me, following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day. He had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism who is now accounted no less than a miracle, a miracle, a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. I was not expecting to get emotional <laughs> this morning, but um, you know, this is a really um, pivotal paragraph, um, and. I took a lot of notes, um, and they're going to be hodgepodge, but here we go. Um, I love the imagery of the spark. Um, it lights a flame that changed the world, the world of addiction. Um, it's, you know, this is really documenting the first AA group, and it's the beginning of AA after Bill's many attempts to get sober. And... Um, you know, he had been to Dr. Silkworth, and Dr. Silkworth was just um, such a great man, you know, just so, just so humbled to admit that, you know, medicine couldn't um, fix the problem of alcoholism, but he was wise enough to know that, you know, we needed a spiritual change. Uh, you know, we needed to have a moral inventory, a confession, restitution, service, and a belief in God. And... Um, I look at this as like, you know, this is the great miracle of bringing together a New York stockbroker, a doctor, and uh, a religious group. You know, in, in a lot of ways, this could never, ever, we could never believe that these three organizations coming together would bring about such a miracle. But I think with God's hand in it, it certainly did. Um I, um, you know, my first, well, one of my first meetings, I remember seeing people who had um, lost weight and which is what I wanted. And I saw people who were happy. And, you know, I don't know that <laughs> all I could focus on was the weight, but certainly the happiness is something I wanted to. And um, I, I believe with all my heart that, uh, you know, that I've got to have a changed personality as did Bill and, you know, the only way that I get that is with a belief in higher power and action that follows that up. Um, you know, I was out of answers. I had been to, you know, tried many, many, many things. And um, the only thing that has helped me has been the fellowship of Readers Anonymous. Um, I am extremely grateful today. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Maria. Okay. So we are now going to open up the meeting for sharing. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experiences too. So if you share Tuesday or Wednesday on any vision meeting, please allow others the opportunity to share today. 
please keep your shares to three minutes. So I'll have time for as many people as possible. I'll let you know when time's up. Um, please give me your first name, initial of your last name, and where you're calling from. Reggie O. Janet Red B. Iron. North Carolina. Melissa C. Alex Melissa. Janet B. Alex. I got you, Janet. St. Louis, got you, Alex. Gotcha, Alex. Gotcha, Rivka. Thanks. Gotcha, Russ. Harlan G. Gotcha, Reva. Gotcha, Harlan. Christina J. Gotcha, Christina. Leon from Massachusetts. Leon. Julie B. from Akron. Felicia. Felicia F. Felicia Felicia. F. New Jersey. I think we're going to stop there. I got quite a lineup. Dang, guys. Okay, here's who I got. Um, Reggie, Janet, Melissa, Alec, Rivka. I thought I heard Rivka. Russ, Reva, Harlan, Christina, Leon, Julie, and Felicia. So everybody, please press star one, and we'll get started with Reggie, followed by Janet. Hey, Reggie, good morning. Where are you calling from, Reggie? Star one. Can't hear you, Reggie. Oh. All right. Well, I think we're going to move on to Janet B. Reggie will come back. Janet, you there? Hi, hey, I'm, I'm here. here. Cool. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Reggie, is that you? That, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. That's me. I was muted. All right. Okay, let's go ahead and well, go with Reggie. Sorry, Janet. Go, Reggie. You're up. Okay. Sorry, yo, sorry Janet. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Reggie O. I'm, just, I'm from just outside San Antonio, Texas, and um, I'm very grateful to recover today. And I have just been amazed at reading the forwards, uh, the forwards this time. And to feel, I, I've just been so full and this happening around Thanksgiving season and, and I love the speaker started off with the, with the spark and it reminds me that, you know, the, the, a spark that burst into flame that is turned into, you know, oh gosh, millions of people around the world being recovered from alcoholism. But, you know, I also thought of that image with a, with a spark. A spark creates a fire and the bigger the fire, the more flames break off and spark out from the flames to ignite, you know, other fires. And it's it's just amazing. So uh, I feel so grateful to to be a part of all of this. And um, and just looking at where it came, it started with one person who knew he needed to help another alcoholic in order to recover. And so that happened. And this this is from whence it all uh, it all started. And uh, you know, and Bill talks about here. Um, Dr. Silkworth, uh, he was, you know, he he uh, educated Bill as well as Bill's all own experience about the nature of alcoholism, you know, the grave nature of alcoholism, and that is the mental obsession and the physical allergy, both of which we learn, I've learned, you know, I have no control over and to become recovered, most alcoholics do, and that is step one, you know, that grave nature is that I am powerless, and, you know, and that's a beautiful thing to get that. And then he went on to say, you know, he went on almost all the steps he covered here, the need for moral inventory, step four, 
Uh, confession of personality defects, five, restitution to those harm, eight and nine, helpfulness, 12, belief in, uh, you know, the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God, steps two, three, and 11. And I think, you know, that, the, you know, we're in one of those sparks that came uh, from the larger fire that Bill started, and that was the spark that um, Melanie and Leah were when they had the, you know, the wonderful idea and vision, and I love that word vision, of starting this meeting where we studied what had many so, met so many alcoholics had recovered with, and that is the 12 steps. And so I am ever, just ever grateful and, you know, thinking about all of, we all, we all, I am, I need to remember that I am a spark too and not let this, not let the spark be, go out, but I keep it, keep it alive and who knows how many fires, you know, I might build or each of us might build in recovery. And uh, it really is, I, you know, I think we're with all, I think we're changing, <laughs> I think we're changing the world, you know, because of the 12 steps and the way that we live and it can only continue Time. to grow in leaps and bounds. And uh, thank you. Yeah, that's it. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reggie. Next up, Janet B., followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Janet. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Happy Gratitude Day, everyone. Um, I'm Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating in North Carolina, formerly New Jersey. Um, What a perfect paragraph for today about gratitude, um, about our founders. And I think of this, like Bill Wilson going and how he and Dr. Bob basically started Alcoholics Anonymous. And what this teaches me is that circumstances are never the cause of my relapse, right? So important for us to remember today, seeing like our uncle who annoys us or the sister who we can't stand maybe. Um, And then here we are and we learn about how circumstances aren't the cause of our relapse ever. Because I think of Jim in chapter three, it says his family was reassembled. He had a job, things were going okay but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life and he got drunk. And we can contrast it here with Bill Wilson, where it talks about how his spiritual, or not his spiritual condition, his physical condition on page 154. He was only in the town where Dr. Bob was because he was on business. The business went terribly. There was a lawsuit. He was bitterly discouraged, discredited, almost broke, physically weak in a dangerous situation, and he ended up starting Alcoholics Anonymous. And how come? And I think it's because what it says at the end of this great paragraph, he had belief in and dependence upon God. Not just belief. Like me, I always believed in God my entire life. There was never a day where I didn't believe in God. But you know what? I kept eating compulsively. It did nothing for me. Because I believed in God, but I treated him like a genie. Like, God, come out of your bottle, do my will, even if, like, my will, remove my food problem, and then go back in your bottle and let me do what I want. I realized, like, I was like a practical agnostic. And Bill Wilson was the same. He was talking about religion, and he said, I adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. Well, that was me. And that was how I worked the steps, Right before I knew better, um, do what was easy, disregard anything that's hard, tell lies if it would get me what I want. And God was, you know, there in his bottle to come out in an emergency. 
but dependence on God, that's something so different. That's surrendering to my loving creator who has my back, who wants the best for me and making a decision that to the best of my ability, I will do his will, which is basically love other people, even those relatives who are difficult to forgive them, to love them, to help them, to help other compulsive eaters, to live an honest life of integrity and to depend on him to take care of everything I need. And I think with that, I can go into Thanksgiving or any day confident that as long as I try to do his will, he's got my back. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janet. Next up, we have Melissa C. followed by Alec. Good morning, Melissa. Hey, good morning, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service this morning. Um, Happy happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I read this and, um, you know, I think about those sparks and and that that spark, you know, was in that conversation between Bill and Bob. And and I've, you know, I've had my own my own sparks, you know, um, my whole life. I, I, I think with like these small little sparks, like where I had the potential you know, to get well from this problem. I was, I was, you know, introduced to OA in my early 20s by someone, you know, much like, like Bill, who had had recovery, and I saw it, and I wanted it, and, and there was a spark, but, you know, for me, I never really tended and nurtured that flame. I did not understand even what it meant to nurture that flame. I thought that it meant, like, protect myself at all costs, get my way at all costs. You know, for me, I learned about the allergy of the body. You know, when it mentions here, Dr. Silkworth, my early experiences in OA were entirely based on abstinence. And, and I am, I am, you know, <laughs> I am a fan of abstinence today. Like, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. But it was not belief and reliance upon God, you know, belief and dependence upon God. It was belief and dependence on a food plan. And that was the way that I would walk into a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or a New Year's or any event. And that never kept me abstinent for long, you know, because in order for me to tend my flame, first of all, I got to believe, like, here I had to find out the grave nature, like that what I had was deadly. And, you know, when I found out what I had was deadly by repeated humiliation, um, the God idea didn't seem so crazy to me. You know, I I found out that in order for me to, like, protect and grow my spark and my flame, it was going to require moral inventory. I was going to have to look real closely at my own mistakes myself. Um, I was going to have to confess it. I was going to have to clean it up, you know, and continue to clean it up and be helpful to others you know, which is, for me, how I practice and demonstrate that I believe and depend upon God is that I'm going to, you know, go today and hopefully be as nice as I possibly can to God's kids. And for me, that's, you know, my family. And, you know, if anybody is concerned with how are you going to remain abstinent through the holidays, for me, the, the, the key, you know, what has worked is that, yes, I rely and depend upon God, but I'm going to show up and and I'm going to try as best I can to be as helpful as I can. And when I live 
that way, um, I'm just going to close up. You know, the food the food got really quiet, and and hopefully it remains that way. And um, thanks, but that I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. Next up, we have Alec, followed by Rivka. Alec, what's the initial of your last name, and where are you calling from? Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Alec B. Alec B. as in boy from St. Louis, Missouri. Wow, I think with this spark image, I just think, you know, we're not our hearts burning within us, right? We're not our hearts burning within us. That, that during these shares, that, that uh, don't we just resonate so much with what people are saying? You know, my story is not unique. I'm a compulsive reader and a restrictor recovered, recovered through this program by God's grace today and only for today and God willing for the rest of the day and, and for tomorrow too. Um, but yet my story is not unique, right? I, I was there just like the people in the story with the the gravity of this problem. I, how many Thanksgivings I had that were not joyful, that would not attend because I was so distracted by the food and then sick and then frustrated and, and, and all of that. And that now I'm able to go into today and not be afraid and know that I'm going to enjoy this day like any other day with friends, with those who love me, with my community, with God. Um, but how did it happen? It happened through what is laid out right here. Through, yeah, like so many people said, I believed in God. I had a relationship with God. I had a deep prayer life. I still do. But this program, the gift of this program, the gift of this disease is that it gave me dependence. It gave me dependence on this God. That when I get up every morning for meditation, I'm going to say, all right, God, you need to guide me here. I, I, I need you. Please guide me here so I know who to help today, who to serve today, where to go today, how to pray today, how to be attentive today. Even at the end of my prayer, you know, you say, okay, God, today is going to be a little different. There are more people. There's more emotion. The food schedule is off. What I need to do, you know, I'm, I'm preparing something. I've been asked to prepare something that's not food for me, and I'm happy to prepare it. I'm going to prepare something that I'm not going to eat because I want to serve uh, those in my community. And so I'm going to prepare it and be happy to do that um, because of the freedom this program's brought. And I will say, all right, God, help me to know how I can serve you today and how I can make this day. How maybe someone could think at the end of the day, wow, I'm grateful for Alex today. You know, wouldn't that be a nice thing? Um, and yet it's not unique. That's what this program promises everyone, that through dependence on God, through working these steps, through the moral inventory, through through surrender, um, we can find freedom. And yeah, I've been to a place where it was just awful and, and where it was so scary and I was so desperate. And, and I thought, I never, ever am going to find the freedom that I hear in this line. And yet now here I am and my heart is burning within me hearing these shares because God is so present and so active and is walking with us on this way towards freedom. Um, we were brought from death to life and, 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 and with, for that, I'm so grateful. And so I ask, uh, yeah, uh, for all of yours, you know, continued support and your continued presence and that we all enjoy this holiday free and abstinent and blessed. So thank you with that. Alex B. from St. Louis, Missouri. I pass. Well, thank you so much, Alec. And I think I heard Rivka R. followed by Russ M. Rivka, do I hear you? Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Rivka R. Uh, gratefully recovered from a sober eater in Baltimore. Thank you for the very inspiring shares so far. Um, so what jumped out at me was the grave. <laughs> like, yeah, the grave is where this illness wants me. Um, so I actually looked up... Um, the definition of grave in the dictionary, and it said, 
resulting in serious consequences likely to produce real harm or damage, dangerous to life. So that's pretty easy to see how that applies from my vantage point now, but, but when I couldn't tell the truth from the lies, like all I knew was that I was uncomfortable and unhappy. I certainly was uncomfortable living in my body. Um, I certainly lived in the bedevilments, resentful of my husband, couldn't control my emotional nature, was prey to misery and depression, I was full of fear, and I was, I was suffocating spiritually. But, but denial kept me from acknowledging the serious damaging consequences that cut me off from life because I, would, I was cut off from God with every bite. So I was, I was talking to a client this week, and she's um, non-program, and um, she's, I've been trying to drop hints, but anyway, she's been stonewalling her husband for weeks. She won't look at him or talk to him. She's like 100 pounds overweight and medicating herself with sugar. Um, but I asked her, what do you think the long-term consequences of your behavior might be? And she actually said, I was hoping there wouldn't be any long-term consequences. So we were able to explore the insanity of her thinking, and, you know, thank God her eyes opened up a little. But I thought, you know, in the disease, I'm no different. Like, when did I ever think of the long-term consequences when when all I wanted was the next cookie or when I was in a drive to be right or a drive to be a victim and filled with resentment? God didn't exist at that moment, except maybe as a fantasy concept. (laughs) I had only one reality, like, to believe the lie that that cookie would make me feel really good and calm down the craving, even though I had all the evidence to the contrary, or that judgmental blaming thoughts were justified. And there's only one way out of producing that damage, abstinence of 12 steps, and the necessity of belief in and dependence on God. Like, like Janet said, I totally related, like, yeah, I believed in a higher power, that part was easy and obvious, like, just look at nature, just look at the creation of a baby. But dependence upon was another story. So I looked up depend, and it said to trust, rely, or place hope on without alternate recourse, to be held up by another, the state of being needful of the use, activity, assistance, and direction of another. And to rely means to have confidence and a feeling of security, and that's like a whole new mindset and practice for me, like the practice of trusting and relying and feeling deep in my heart that all is ultimately well because God's taking care of me and everyone else. And I can practice Time. that. Okay, I'll just finish with this. I, I, that, I can practice that surrender on a daily, sometimes minute-to-minute basis. And just one more definition. It says, surrender is devote myself entirely to something without restraint, reservation, or further resistance. So I'm so grateful, but I don't have to... I'm sorry, Rebecca, that's time. Okay, sorry. I'll just thank you for being there and that I don't have to resist life anymore. Thanks. All right. Next up, we have uh, Russ M. followed by Reva P. But Russ, before you get started, let me remind everybody where we are. We are in the forward to the second edition, uh, bottom of the page, uh, XV. Third paragraph, the spark that was to flare into the first AA group. And we read that one paragraph. So, Russ, you're up. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Russ, I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Narstown, PA. And, man, I, you know, I ain't really trying to share as much, you know, but th- th- these, these uh, words got me, they created a spark in me to share. I- I'll tell you, man, yesterday I was driving to Philly. 
and, I, and I'm on the expressway, and I'm hearing the forward and the reading, and people sharing it, and I broke down in the car like a blithering idiot, because I, I'm, today, you know, my man Pete says I walk a free man, and I, thank you, Pete, love you for that, I, I, I walk a free man because of this program, man, and God, you know, I, I I, I think of these guys, what they went through without without Twitter, without Instagram, without TikTok and texting and phone calls, so that I can be free, man. Not just me, but all of us, you know. They, they sacrificed a lot so we could have our lives back. And uh, when I step back and look at my life now, you know, God, God granted me eyes to see. Now, what what I actually am blessed with, you know, what what's really going on, and that I can get through anything with surrendering to Him, and uh, you know, it's just overwhelming, man, because I, I was a damn train wreck and I was dying, and it also reminds me if I uh, if I cut a corner, I'm going back to that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a town second. I'll be back there with the quickness. So my my point is I'm filled with gratitude that I never, ever, ever had in my life. Whether I knew it, had things good or not, because I can never realize it because I was always high. And um, I can say this. I did a lot of great things in my life. Not that this is a eulogy or nothing like that, but I did so many good things at a young age. But it all pales in comparison to actually being a junkie because I would never have this life if I, if I wasn't at the bottom and I didn't walk, walk into these rooms. And, I, you know, I'm experiencing life on a crazy, incredible way. And I, I, I actually could say I could trust God now because thank, thank, that's the most important thing, I think. So now that I'm rambling and acting like a, a, a gugutsu over here, I... I love you guys. You don't know how much I love you guys for helping helping a, a knucklehead like me have a little bit of freedom and showing me God and how to live. So I appreciate this meeting. I appreciate everybody. Y'all have a great day. I love you. Well, thank you, Russ. Next up we have Reva P. followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Wow. Um, you know, this paragraph, I, I think of it in the I. Like, have I been convinced of the grave nature of my compulsive overeating and um, my diagnosis? You know, this allergy of the body and obsession of the mind that takes me back to the allergy of the substance that kills me. And you know what convinced me? The disease. I'm so grateful. I came in after I had tried gazillions of things um, on my own that failed. Um, and do I recognize and am I convinced of the need for all of these components? Like it's basically the 12 steps that he's outlining in this description of, you know, moral inventory, independence on God. Have I been convinced that I need all of it? You know, we don't just sort of cherry pick the steps. Um, and then if I do those things, and I am convinced he was relieved of his drink obsession. He wasn't in white-knuckled abstinence only. He was, as was shared just before, a free man. Like we have that, you know, neutrality. 
But the thing that struck me the most is this imagery of the spark and the flare. And, you know, individually and as a fellowship, like I didn't realize how dead I was. I didn't realize I was like the walking dead. I was so um, blocked and numbed out with the food and the sugar. Um, and when I came in and put the food down and started working the steps, it's like the fellowship and the sponsor and whatever, there was a spark, right? And then by the time I get to step 12, um, we're sort of on fire because having had a spiritual awakening, not only do I try to carry the message, but we, it's like this football game um, where we huddle here, but then we go out and we play the game and we practice the principles in all our affairs. And lately I'm trying to notice you know, not just in the rooms, but outside the rooms, you know, in the pharmacy, when this mother is with the kid who's miserable and sick, and she's waiting for her prescription, can I be a spark? Can I, I don't know, smile at them, let them go ahead in line? Um, yeah, we are like lamp lighters, we just, you know, anywhere, and how do I know where to light the lamp? How do I know um, where to bring the light? Um, by dependence on God. And God says, go here, say this, do that, take care of my kids um, inside and outside the rooms. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's one of those paradoxes. When I do that stuff, I get more filled and it becomes this, um, you know, positive cycle. Um, but yeah, you know, can I be a lamp lighter today? And where does God want me to light um, somebody's, you know, darkness? Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Next up, we have Harlan G., followed by Christina J. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you very much for your service this morning. Happy holiday to everybody. Let's take a little bit more of a nuts and bolts approach to this paragraph, not because we need a history lesson this morning, although we are going to get one, but we want to see the hand of God. We want to see the hand of God because only God could have brought this together. Let's take a look at Bill Wilson. And Bill Wilson is going to get the information on the problem from Dr. Silkworth at the Towns Hospital. He's going to be hospitalized in April of 1933. He's going to get this information of the problem. In April of 34, he's going to be flat on his keister back in the hospital, even having the information of the problem. He doesn't have a solution. He doesn't have any remedy for it. And Bill Wilson is going to proceed almost to the gates of insanity or death because he does not have the solution. Now, God, in his infinite wisdom, did not create AA when Bill met Bob. AA flew out of their ear. That, that is not what happened here. Roland Hazard and Zebra Graves, Jr., were members of the Oxford Group movement who did not know the problem of alcoholism. And the Oxford group in and of itself was not concerned at all with alcoholism. They were concerned with people not practicing first century Christianity. But they had different steps and absolutes that they practiced. And Roland Hazard and Zebra Graves Jr. were alcoholics in the Oxford group who were staying sober even though they didn't know the problem. Now, Ebby Thatcher, Bill's childhood friend, who was an absolute fall-down alcoholic, is going to give the news of the solution to Bill, but Ebby didn't know the problem. 
Bill knew the problem, but he didn't know the answer. He didn't have a remedy for it. And in this Bill Wilson, this unlikely, unworthy drunk, the nexus, the confluence of this information is going to come together and it's going to change the world. Bill Wilson may not be the first person in the world's history to have this information, but what we can rely on every single day is that he will be the first person in the history of Earth to take this nexus of information, this confluence of information. A confluence is when two rivers come together and they always form a mightier river than the ones before, the tributaries. This nexus, this joining together, Bill will take this information of the problem that he got from Silkworth, the solution that he got from the Oxford group, and he will bring it to the world. We take for granted often that we can turn to the doctor's opinion in this book and get the problem, and then the rest of the book will show us how to live in the solution. But it did not always exist that way. Only God could have brought this together for us today. Happy holiday, everybody. Thanks for your service, Kelly. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, next up we have Christina J. followed by Leon B. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. in North Carolina. I'll turn 65 tomorrow, and in February of 2015, I got the spark that was declaring to my life when I turned tuned into a vision meeting and they were talking about the sunlight and spirit. However, it took me eight years to learn about step one. Eight years to know that I couldn't pick up one bite. And today I'm grateful to know. I'm, I know it to the core of my bones because of the pain. The pain has finally surrendered me, thank God, one day at a time, hopefully today, hopefully tomorrow. Step one surrenders me. My admission. And it dependence upon God. What a damn relief. What a relief. What a relief. I can give everything to this higher power. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in anger, frustration, resentment. God has given me the courage to face things, to surrender things. And I'm learning day by day. This is a continual working process for me on the deep stuff in my soul. And why is this book for me such a magical miracle worker thing because of this part right here. He was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personal defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. Again, what a relief that I get to do these things with instructions in this small big book. (laughs) What a play on words, huh? Small big book. It's not a diet. No diet offered me the chance to do a deep dive into my precious, aching, burdened soul. No diet, no therapy, no diet pill, no spiritual course or journey into the desert. No spiritual analyzation of my life or my mind, my body, my heart, my soul. No dancing in the head with my wise house, self-pity, victimhood. No. Just do the actions, four through nine, and come out. On the other side. Now, I did that many times, but I still didn't know that step one, you see, and step 10 or 11. Those things are a crucial, vital part of my life today. Um, it was just a meeting. Vision for you was just a meeting, just like this thing here, just a meeting with an alcoholic friend. 
you know, it's amazing how God brings us to it when we're ready. And then, I don't know, I had a journey into many relapses, into many recoveries, into many this and that and the other before I finally understood what a gift this book is in my life today. <laughs> I think every Thanksgiving since I started Vision, I've been recovered during that time. <laughs> oh, and then I went off the rails again. But I pray to God since July 7th that I can stay out of my happy food and learn about this step one, continue to learn about it, and stay clean. It's a gift, everybody. Thank you. I love you all. I pass. Thank you, Christina. Next up, Leon B., followed by Julie B. Good morning, Leon. Leon, press star one. Can't hear you. Okay, well, we're going to move on to Julie B. Julie, you up? Thank you. B from Akron, Ohio. I'm gratefully recovered, always learning, never cured. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm so incredibly grateful just to have gotten the spot here of like, I'll try. I'll do my best. I was so looking forward to, I didn't think I would get, like, I just didn't think it would be open. So I'm just grateful for that and just grateful for the people before me, Um, you know, not only including those on the line, but also to Bill and to Bob and to everyone in this in this amazing, amazing book that we have as a lifeline. Um, and just the lineup of those of you on here that give of and, you know, you put things together out there, guides for us to follow, maps, basically, you know, I always envision us on a path, like we're just hiking together, you know, when I'm talking to someone on the phone or I make an outreach call, we're just, we're walking together. Neither one is really like above the other or, you know, sometimes I'm kind of helping or I'm encouraging like, yeah, I know the way I think it's this way, you know, and, and so it's just amazing that some of you on here have created little roadmaps or fun ways to get to get to the next destination. Um, I just wanted to say and just shout out to Akron because <laughs> I'm such a fan and um, it's very boring here. Don't come here. It's super boring. Just kidding. It's awesome. Um, Dr. Bob's house is not far from me and I'm ashamed to say that I've never been inside, but um, there are 12 steps leading up to his house. That is true. Um, I was first introduced to the program by um, a family member's alcoholism and I just remember him saying that he goes to meetings every day. And he doesn't drink on the holidays. And that was different from everyone else in my family. And that always really put a spark in me. And uh, the picture here in Akron now is, you know, it's, it needs a little, needs a little oxygen. It could use a little gasoline. Um, we have, uh, even the meeting last night, it was a dark church, a dark, dark room. And I may have been the only one in the parking lot for a few minutes, but there ended up to be three of us. And so there was incredible shares. We read the uh, preamble. We, sh- we shared experience, strength, and hope. And um, let's see, what else did I want to share? I'm, I'm today, I'm taking my food with me. I'm, I've prepared it yesterday. Um, I heard that great wisdom in the rooms here of just taking your food with you. Um, I know it won't be a forever thing, but I'm in this new stage of, of deeper uh, cleaner abstinence, like just continuing to go through the steps and just finding myself like 
in any form, um, abstaining from from my uh, my alcoholic foods. And today, I'm committing to be helpful to others. I'm praying for the willingness to make restitutions for my wrongdoings. I want to love others. I want to take moral inventory. Thank you so much. Um, I just love you, Vision. And yeah, the spark is still here in Akron. Um, Next, let's see if we can have Leon. Leon, are you out there? Hmm. Guess not. Okay, well, Felicia F., you're up next. Felicia Star One. I am Felicia. I'm Felicia F. Recovering compulsive overeater and so amazingly grateful this morning. Um, thank you to all who attended and helped put this meeting together. Uh, thank you to all who got here before I did and lit away. Um, and thank you to everybody who's new and coming back. She needs somebody to, to pass on to. So. Um, I love this this section. I love, you know, that today is going to be my first abstinent Thanksgiving in my life, you know. And I am just so incredibly grateful for the hope that that paragraph that we read today gave and that vision gives. Pass. Thank you. Wow, caught me off guard. Sorry. Okay, Leon, I'm gonna give you one more chance. You still out there, or are you out there? Okay. Well, we have time for one or two more shares. Does anybody like to share on the third last paragraph? Janice is. Janice is. Julie P. Did I hear Jennifer? Jennifer C., yes. All right. Well, let's just do those. I think that's all we're going to have time for. All right, Janice, you're up. Hi, I'm Janice S., and I'm from Tennessee. Um, just I'm thankful this morning. I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater from Tennessee. I, I'm just so grateful to be able to share this morning. Um, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by accident. Um, this paragraph this morning, the word, the spark that was to flare into the first AA group, um, I was reminded of, of a song I sang when I was a teenager. It only takes a spark to keep a fire going. That spark that happened in June of 1935 has still been is still going. And if it weren't, there wouldn't be 300 and something people listening on this line this morning. I was all prepared to feel sorry for myself today because I'm not going to get to be with my family at all. But I was very, very wrong. I'm with my family right now. I don't know your faces, and I can't hold your hand. But every day, I I, I am so grateful, and I have the freedom to hear your voices, to hear your strength, to hear your story, to hear your support, to hear your love. And... And then, and then I have that spiritual connection. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. This is no longer about the celebration of eating. It's about the celebration of the freedom, the, the, 
the loss of all that pain and all that suffering and the joy of being able to take the spark on and share it with other people. I'm just so extremely grateful today and I'm so grateful that that I woke up this morning to be on this call and I, I too am emotional about it. I, I'm so grateful that I was able to get in. I'm going to cut it short so maybe someone else can share. Happy Thanksgiving and thank you all for being here. I love you all very much. Thank you. Thank you, Janice S. And Jennifer C., you're going to take us out. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for being here this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I'm just <clears throat> sitting here reflecting on all the many Thanksgivings, right? Oh, when nothing would fit, when nothing would fit, when I couldn't find anything to wear because nothing would fit when I would go into the meal and white knuckle it and then eat later because I was so good at the meal, but I couldn't hold it together for the rest of the night. Or I would behave myself at the meal and then binge on all the leftovers, all the demoralization, all the empty promises, all the years of being controlled by this disease and this word dependence, the state of relying on or being controlled by someone or something else. I want to be controlled today by God's power, God's love, and God's way of life. That is my sufficient substitute for this disease. This disease is a power greater than us, and we need a sufficient substitute. We need a replacement. It's not enough to just say, okay, I'm going to eat my food plan. I'm going to, I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to eat my food plan and not replace it with a power greater than all the lies that this disease will tell you later. Oh, you were so good, you should eat now. Or you pick up tomorrow because you were so good today. No, that's not a sufficient substitute. Only God, only God, through this program. So sit at the table with all your brothers and sisters in this program today. In spirit, you are sitting at the table with all of us. Don't go it alone. Do not go it alone. We are powerless alone, but together we have all the power that we need. Stay connected. Make your outreach calls. Nourish yourself. That food is not going to nourish your soul. It never has and it never will. What we need is the nourishment of the spirit, which we can only find together through God. So let's be controlled by someone or something other than this disease today, which is God's power, God's love, and God's way of life. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jennifer C. We have one minute. If anybody has a burning desire to say share for a minute. Vanessa G. Go, Vanessa. Hi, everybody. It's Vanessa G. Recovered in New Mexico. Um, Today, I just want to give a shout out and a, a, a deep felt thank you to the founders of this program. To Bill W., Dr. Bach, and of course, little Dr. Silkworth. You guys, whether you whether they'll ever know it or not, I can look around my circle of friends and see so many people who are alive today because of the efforts of particularly Bill and Bach. Thank you. Um, thank you for reaching down throughout the ages through this book and um, saving my life more than once. And uh, thank you all who are on this line studying what 
it so divinely um, were inspired to write. Um, I just, I, I can't express my gratitude enough for all of you, and but especially for the stockbroker and the doctor. Thank you. Wow, perfect. Okay, thank you, everybody. That was amazing. So um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today, if you want to hear it again because it was good or tell somebody else, is 20,867-20867. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Sherry G. will now read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Sherry D., grateful compulsive overeater in Maryland. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. We disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.